UFOs, unidentified flying objects. What are they? This is Evidence and Answers with Christian scholar, speaker, author, and apologist Pat Zuckerman. Today, a Christian view of UFOs. This is a topic that continues to capture the imagination of the world. But is there spiritual danger in this phenomenon? Today, Pat will introduce a special guest who is an expert in this area. I'm Kevin Harris, and I want to urge you to go to evidenceandanswers.org for resources on this topic and many more. Evidenceandanswers.org provides cutting-edge resources on worldviews world religions, apologetics, and everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Pat? Thanks, Kevin. Yes, we've got a great topic for you today, UFOs. What are they? Do they actually exist? What happened at Roswell? We've got a man who's written a book, one of the few books from a Christian perspective on this topic, Dr. Ron Rhodes. Dr. Ron Rhodes is an expert in the cults and the occult. And in the field of apologetics, he's an author of numerous books and has a doctorate from Dallas Theological Seminary. And Dr. Rhodes, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's always good to be with you. Dr. Rhodes, this book is called Alien Obsession. It came out in 1998, but there seems to be a revival in the interest of UFOs today. What's going on? Well, it's interesting that you ask that. I think that uh, in uh, a number of recent news programs, we've witnessed a number of people from different governments and different agencies requesting that all of the U.S. government files and studies be reopened so that UFOs can be studied with renewed vigor. And the reason for that is that people of uh, you know, high repute, high reputations, have seen UFOs. They've seen these things flying through the sky, and they think it constitutes irrefutable evidence that there must be aliens out there, and therefore the United States government must reopen the case. And so that's what's been going on recently. Of course, UFOs have been very popular all along among certain religious groups, such as the New Age movement, which is nowadays called the New Spirituality. And of course, there's also different groups like the Raelians and uh, the Unaria Society and other groups like that who focus their entire religion on UFOs. So the point is, is that there are different aspects or different uh, parts of our culture that actually focus exclusively on UFOs. And so that's part of the interest right there. Why is there such a popularity in UFOs? Why such a great interest? I think there's probably a number of reasons for that. Uh, I don't think you can really zero in on one single reason, but rather a group of reasons that taken together uh, really move people to uh, belief in UFOs today. I think to begin with, people really want to believe. They want to believe that someone or something is out there that is greater than us, There's something exciting about the possibility that there is advanced life out there that perhaps can help us with some of our problems. You know, people get involved in the routine of their daily lives, and uh, sometimes they seek meaning. Instead of turning to the Bible for meaning, instead of turning to Jesus Christ for meaning, many people are seeking meaning in perhaps alien life forms out there. And I think that brings us to the second reason why they're popular, and that is that UFOs can give us hope, according to some people. You know, very often this world is, you know, it seems hopeless because the crime rate is soaring. 
seems like there are many nations at war today, and we look at uh, crimes against humanity being committed by extremist peoples out there. And, you know, maybe these UFOs, maybe these aliens can bring us enlightenment and advancement. Maybe they can cure our diseases and solve our homelessness programs, and they can help us to reverse the destruction of our environment. Maybe they can even help us to reduce the out-of-control crime that is on the streets all across America today. And so a lot of people are putting a lot of stock, again, not in the Bible, not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, but in the possibility of turning to aliens to solve these kinds of problems. And then I think that sometimes uh, people focus on UFOs because perhaps they can help fill our spiritual need. Now, both of you guys well know that every human being has a yearning in the heart for the eternal. There is a yearning in the human heart for the transcendent. And for many people out there, uh, it's not God or Jesus that they're interested in, but perhaps the UFOs themselves, perhaps the advanced aliens, can actually help you know, fill our spiritual need. And there are even ideas out there that perhaps uh, Jesus himself was part alien or even fully alien. It's possible, they say, that it was aliens who actually planted life on Earth to begin with. And so you've got all kinds of weird speculative ideas floating on around, you know, around out there. And many people really have sort of a religious fervor when they talk about aliens. And I think that you've seen this in some of the movies, like E.T. and maybe uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, you know, some of those kind of movies. So I think all those factors together really account for why UFOs are so popular today. They continue to be popular as well, Pat and Ron, on History Channel, Discovery Channel, and some of the uh, nationwide cable programs. I've seen a recent revival in UFO documentaries and footage and things like that. You know what's interesting, uh, though? Um, I've done a number of interviews with some of these very people who have aired on those same television shows. And what's always so funny is that whenever these you know, film crews come over to my house and they interview me based upon this book, I give them the, the other side of the story, and they will never air it. Yeah. They oh, only boy. will air the stuff that supports their particular slant on things, and they never want to air the Christian slant. And so that's one thing that kind of bothers me. People are getting really kind of a biased version of what's going on in the, in the news media. I'll tell you what else is interesting, guys, and that is that all of these new documentaries and specials and programs don't have any new evidence or footage. <laughs> well, now that's kind of interesting, yeah. too, because when you look at some of the actual footage, it's always kind of a blurry kind of a sighting. I mean, the, you would think that today with the digital technology that we have, yeah, and with autofocus technology and all of those sort of things, so we would finally have a, a real good, accurate, very precise picture. Isn't that the truth? I mean, we all have. Uh, uh, so many people have video recorders. They have uh, cell phones that can take video and everything. And there should be a massive increase in video evidence for UFOs, but it's just not doesn't seem to be happening. Well, no, and until they do, I think that, uh, you know, the burden of proof really lies on them. And, I, you know, the point is that if you're going to make extraordinary claims, you need to have extraordinary evidence to back up those claims. Sometimes people speak as if it's on our shoulder to prove that they don't exist, but that's not really true. If they're going to make an extraordinary claim that they've been visited or perhaps even abducted by an alien, or as some even claim, there are some women who've claimed they've been impregnated by aliens. I mean, if you're going to make those kinds of claims, 
then you really need to have extraordinary evidence to back up those claims. And so far, that evidence is lacking. We're speaking about close encounters. What are the categories of close encounters? Well, you know, we've seen uh, movies that talk about close encounters of the third kind. You know, we've all um, seen that movie, and it made many of us wonder, you know, what's the first kind and what's the second kind? Uh And really, the first kind are those in which the reported UFO is seen at close range. You know, you may be in in the woods, you may be out in a field somewhere, and uh, you might just see it hovering along the landscape there. Now, you don't have any interaction of the UFO with the environment. There's no interaction with human beings or anything like that, but it's just kind of hovering around. There's all kinds of reports of this kind of uh, sighting among UFOs. And then secondly, the second kind of close encounter is similar to the first in the sense that uh, there's a visitation of a UFO, but there are also physical effects. Sometimes vegetation is reported as having been pressed down. You've seen some of these cornfields, for example, with all the uh, the corn pressed down in a circle, some of these crop circles, Mm -hmm. or you might see a scorched tree or branches that are broken, maybe even animals that are frightened. Some people claim that cows have had eyes and tongues removed with uh, surgical precision. And so uh, this would be a close encounter of the second kind. Now, the one we've seen in the movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, are those in which the actual occupants of the UFO craft, which is the the, the aliens, are actually reported in or around the craft. And, uh, you know, there's different kinds of reports that people have had. I think back to the, uh, the Roswell incident, for example. At first, many of the witnesses there said that they saw no aliens. They just saw the wreckage of a spacecraft. But as decades, you know, decades passed progressively, the stories started to change among the witnesses, and some of them started to say, well, I saw a couple of aliens lying by the side of that spacecraft. Well, if that were true, that would be a close encounter of the third kind, because there'd be alien involvement. And uh, I might mention to you that even though they're not as popular, there is a close encounter of the fourth kind and of the fifth kind. A close encounter of the fourth kind has to do with the idea that human beings can be abducted by aliens. You know, we've seen a lot of this kind of stuff in the recent book by uh, John Mack, I believe his name is, who documented a number of people's claims of being abducted and the kinds of things that happened to them. And then there is the close encounters of the fifth kind in which humans and aliens intentionally communicate through ordinary light and sound. And uh, you might remember in the movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, there was one scene in which a bunch of the government officials met by this big mountain, and aliens came down and they started to play musical notes to each other and they flashed lights at each other. That would be a close encounter of the fifth kind. And so you've got all these categories, and people claim uh, to have experienced every one of these at some point or another. And uh, that's one of the reasons why our U.S. government, as well as other governments around the world, have investigated this phenomenon in such you know, detail. Now, many will say that there's this big U.S. government cover-up with governments all over the world. Uh, what's your take on that? There's some conspiracy to hide this from the people uh, of the world? Well, you know, that's the claim. And if you ever deny that there is a conspiracy, then that means that you yourself are part of the conspiracy. So probably someone listening to my voice right now who uh, really believes in some of this may think that I myself am part of the conspiracy because I'm denying that there is a conspiracy. 
Let me just say a couple of things in regard to that. First of all, let's recognize that our government doesn't necessarily share everything with us. I mean, we do recognize that much. That doesn't mean there's a conspiracy, but just as an example, government's not going to reveal everything about its black projects to the American public. And I'm talking about top secret projects that are used for the military. There are certain military programs going on that involve such high technology that it would actually damage the national security of our country for the government to reveal what they now possess. Some of those involve, um, you know, different flying mechanisms. And so sometimes uh, there have been sightings of some of these, especially back in the 50s and 60s. Uh, you know, a number of UFO reports came in when, in fact, it was nothing more than some of the black projects being tested by the U.S. Air Force. So there is that aspect. But in terms of the government covering up capturing an alien and putting the aliens in Area 51, you might remember that other movie that came out uh, some years ago in which the President of the United States didn't even know that there was an Area 51. And uh, they immediately went over there and looked at the aliens and the alien spacecraft in this Hollywood movie. Well, the fact is, there's no evidence for that. And I don't know about you guys, but have you ever thought about what would be necessary to conceal that kind of information? I think it'd be impossible. It really would. I mean, especially if the government can't conceal its own worst secrets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, look at back during the Clinton years. I mean, obviously, he went through some tough times and some very personal stuff came out about him. I, I need not regurgitate all that. But the fact is, if even our top leaders cannot keep things secret about themselves, don't you think it's a little bit far-fetched to say that for all of these years, the government has singularly been able to keep all of this out of the media and nobody's been able to discover? I just just can't you know, think that that's even feasible. No, I don't think it's feasible. And I'll tell you something else, guys, and that is today I don't think that the government would have any reason to hide it because there was one time the contention that, well, everybody would panic, and it would throw everybody into a panic. Now we're so satiated with Star Wars and Close Encounters of the Third Kind and E.T., and it would be no big deal to most people. Well, you know, I agree with you there, but, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned, uh, you know, what you just mentioned, because part of the conspiracy, they say, is that back during the Reagan years where they were uh, testing the Star Wars technology, do you remember that? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. They were testing to see whether they could use these uh, particle beam weapons to destroy objects in outer space. And so the conspiracy says is that uh, the Reagan himself learned that our planet was under investigation by alien forces. And so in order to scare them away, he had all this talk about particle weapons that could kill you know, uh, spacecraft in outer space and missiles and stuff like that. So that itself became a part of the conspiracy. So it seems like no matter what is reported in the media, there are people who can twist that to make it a part of their overall worldview, which is a conspiratorial worldview. Mm. And it's very hard to falsify, like you pointed out. If you deny it, you're part of it. Well, while we're on that topic, you know, one of the biggest uh, alleged conspiracies is Roswell. What really happened out there at Roswell, according to your investigation? Well, you know, that's an interesting question because there's been an awful lot of discussion by an awful lot of people out there. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, talking about conspiracy, this is one of the most central aspects of the conspiracy. Fact is, is that something crashed out there in Roswell. There's no question but that something crashed. And one of the things that really kind of got things started in terms of the controversy was that one of the low-down officials at the Air Force where this, uh, you know, this incident took place reported to the news media with a press release that we have got ourselves a UFO. 
And then some of the higher-level officials immediately followed up with another press release stating that that wasn't so. All it was was a bunch of debris from some balloons. Uh, it was a bunch of uh, foil and balsa wood and, you know, other kinds of stuff like that which is, that would just be a part and parcel of a, a balloon that would fly high in the atmosphere. And so that started things going. Now, immediately after that, there were a number of witnesses that came forward and described what they saw. And what's interesting, guys, is that some of these witnesses have changed their stories through the years, and because of that, it has served to undermine some of the, uh, you know, the reliability of what really took place. I think I mentioned to you earlier about how, um, you know, initially they just reported wreckage there at Roswell, but later some of the witnesses came forward and said that they actually saw some alien bodies lying right next to the spaceship. In fact, one guy by the name of Jim Ragsdale said he spotted four alien bodies near a spaceship. But years later, on another television show, he said that he saw nine alien bodies, from which he removed personally some gold helmets. And so the problem is, is how reliable are some of these reports that have come out of Roswell? And another thing that just complicates the matter immensely is that Roswell has become a huge tourist attraction and therefore has made a lot of money off of this UFO thing. In fact, the primary economy of the city of Roswell is tourism due to the UFO. So it's become big business for Roswell. And that in itself has caused many people to question how objective is the data that we have coming out of Roswell since there's sort of a financial dependency here. And so it's become a very complicated matter. For years, the government released various reports stating that it was just a weather balloon. And more recently, due to a declassification of certain documents, the big theory today is that it was Project Mogul. Have you guys heard of that? No, I haven't. Well, Project Mogul was actually a top-secret project by the U.S. Army involving very high-altitude balloons whose primary purpose was long-distance detection of sound waves generated by the turbulence of rising hot air from a Soviet atomic bomb. And obviously, this is not the kind of balloon that our military is going to report to the public. It was top secret. It was one of the black projects. And what's very interesting is, is that two days before the Roswell crash, this thing was uh, launched a number of miles uh, from Roswell. The wind was blowing in the precise direction toward Roswell. And what ended up happening is that as these balloons got higher and higher, the sun or the heat of the sun caused some of them to pop. Not all of them, but some of them. And so, therefore, they decreased in altitude such that they eventually came back down to the earth. But instead of crashing, since there were still some balloons that were working, it kind of just dragged along for a big distance with certain debris breaking off. And then finally, the majority of the debris broke off as the other balloons blew up. That fits the evidence at Roswell because you've got this paraphernalia, uh, you know, that kind of spans a long distance that was going in a single direction. And so, you know, most experts who have looked at it believe that, in fact, there really was a, uh, you know, a black project called Project Mogul that explains what took place at Roswell. Ron, you know, I, I seem to recall as well that right around uh, 1947 when Roswell and all of this went down, 
there was kind of a UFO craze going on. Well, there was, yeah. So that, that could have added a little bit to the whole scare, the whole atmosphere. Well, you know, there's an interesting phenomenon that people tend to see what they've been conditioned to see. I remind you that back during the 15th and 16th centuries, there was a big witch craze. And during that time, there were virtually thousands upon thousands of reports involving people seeing witches flying through the sky. Today, of course, there's, there's been, you know, back during the time when you mentioned, there's been a lot of television shows and even movies that focused on, uh, you know, aliens and spacecraft and even books that had come out. So people have a tendency to see what they've been conditioned to see. It's the same thing today, Kevin. You know, today we've got a lot of people claiming to see ghosts. Well, we've got so many paranormal TV shows and movies and stuff like that that people are reporting seeing ghosts today. So you've got to really be careful in, in evaluating some of this so-called evidence. You know, some people will draw a parallel between UFO sightings and encounters and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Explain to us briefly what's the difference there in far as the evidence is concerned. Well, I mean, where do you begin? I mean, the evidence for the resurrection of Christ is objective, whereas the evidence for UFOs is subjective. Now, I agree with the statement I made earlier. If you're going to make an extraordinary claim, you need to have extraordinary evidence to back up that claim. Now, resurrection, that is an extraordinary claim, but I think that the evidence backs it up. Uh, just to give you a couple of quick references, the fact is, is that the entire church turned from a bunch of cowards into a bunch of incredible witnesses of Christ who were not afraid of death. You know, right before the resurrection, uh, Christ got uh, arrested and all the disciples scattered like a bunch of cowards. But then after the resurrection, they stood in the face of the most stern Jewish authorities and Roman authorities and refused to back down. What happened? Only the resurrection can explain it. How do you account for the virtually thousands of Jews who trusted in Christ during the first century? Here you have a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. What would cause these Jews, whose ancestors had believed Judaism for many centuries, uh, and understanding the fact that for a Jew to leave Judaism, according to their belief system, they would go to hell and lose salvation and be ostracized from their families. What would cause thousands of Jews to trust in Christ? The only thing that can explain it is the resurrection. Oh, and did I mention the missing body? Uh, <laughs> the body was missing from the tomb. He appeared to too many people on too many occasions for, for this to be dismissed as a hallucination. In fact, he appeared to over 500 people at a time. And then, of course, there are hostile witnesses. What do you do with them? These are people who are against Christ, but they could not deny uh, the reality of the resurrection. If they had proof that Christ had not risen from the dead, they would have brought it forward. But they couldn't because Christ indeed did resurrect. My point being is that the resurrection evidence is solid, whereas the evidence for UFOs is just completely subjective in nature. Just a few minutes left, unfortunately, but Dr. Rhodes will be back with us next week to continue talking on this subject. But Dr. Rhodes, tell us about the book Alien Obsession. You've got a whole chapter in there on Roswell and a lot of these other topics, right? Well, I think that the title gives away a lot of the, the emphasis in my book, um, Alien Obsession, and the subtitle is What Lies Behind Abductions, Sightings, and the Attraction to the Paranormal. You know, one thing I look forward to talking to you about next week is the close connection that a lot of this has with occultism and the paranormal. And I call this book Alien Obsession because many people today are obsessed with this. And what we need to do is have a balanced viewpoint. We need to have a biblical viewpoint, a biblical worldview that takes a hard look at the evidence. Don't just buy into something because our popular culture believes in it, but rather use wisdom and discernment and prudence 
from a Christian worldview in discerning what's going on here. And a great place to get resources is your website as well. Tell us about the website. Well, our website can be found at ronrhodes.org, and that's R-O-N-R-H-O-D-E-S.org. And at that website, you'll find all kinds of free articles that you can download, and uh, we do update that uh, from time to time. We have a number of books that are available at a very low cost. We have a free newsletter that goes out. We don't ask for any money for that. And uh, not only that, we have uh, some apologetic quick answers, you know, a lot of common questions that come in. We've, we've put together some quick answers to some of those things. So if we can be a service, uh, I just hope people will stop by and feel like they can uh, you know, use our website at any point to help them in terms of Christian apologetics. This has been a fascinating interview with Dr. Ron Rhodes, author and expert in the cult and the occult and a great apologist. And Dr. Rhodes, thanks for being on the show. We look forward to hearing from you next week. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. We want to thank you so much for listening to Evidence and Answers with Pat Zuckerin on this timely topic and remind you that you can get this entire series at our website, evidenceandanswers.org. That's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find some of the best resources on presenting and defending your faith in Christ to an increasingly skeptical world at evidenceandanswers.org. World religions, atheism, the cults, the occult, apologetics, scientific and philosophical arguments for the existence of God, creation and evolution, the reliability of the Bible, archaeology and history, and the end times, to name but just a few. Evidence and Answers is supported by you, the listener, who appreciates a program that gives good answers to good questions. Our calling is to do what the Apostle Paul did on Mars Hill in Athens. He presented and defended the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll help you do the same by the grace of God. Just go to evidenceandanswers.org and any gift or purchase of resources will be a tremendous encouragement to us. And remember that this entire series is available at evidenceandanswers.org. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure and visit us online at evidenceandanswers.org. Thank you.